Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey guys, a special podcast here. Jason Wheeler is not with us on this one. He has his feet in the sand somewhere, but we got a special interview and we want to share it with you right now on this special episode. So on Wednesday, I'm sure you've seen this by now, Governor Abbott said businesses can reopen at 100%. The face mask is no longer mandated in the state. You can take that off unless you're in a store or a restaurant or a private business that says you have to wear one. Private businesses you know, can do what they want on their own property. So while there might be light at the end of the tunnel, CDC and other folks say, you know, just hold on for a second here. The virus is still out there. Don't let your guard down just yet. We still have a long way to go before enough vaccines are out there until we get herd immunity here in Texas and across the country. In fact, a friend of mine, he he gave me a call after our last episode came out and said, you know what, Uh, with all these Texas beach cities that are preparing to uh, come roaring back, as they say. What's going to be the health impact of all this? Uh, you know, once these reopenings really get going in full force, is this happening too early since the vaccine isn't out there in full force yet? So, who better to answer all these questions than none other than Dr. Anthony Fauci, a doctor who needs no introduction? He's on TV and radio a lot every day, but there's one thing he is not talking about. And that is Texas, specifically about Texas and the political decisions happening here, what the health impact might be. But my colleague, William Joy, a reporter at WFAA in Dallas-Fort Worth, he did an interview with Dr. Fauci on the Zoom call. He put those questions to him and William's on the line with us now, taking the place of Wheeler. Good to see you, man. No, I'm glad. This is my first time on, on Yolitics. I'm glad we got to talk to Fauci, but I mean, I'd, I'd much rather be with my feet in the sand like like Wheeler if that's the no case. No doubt. And if Wheeler <laughs> doesn't come back, then you can have his spot, man. You can you can definitely take that. And you know, I, Wheeler, I'd love to get his reaction when he hears that part of this episode. We'll make sure we send him this a, a link to this podcast. So for, for people who, who might not understand kind of uh, the world of journalism, you can't just call up Dr. Fauci. So kind of tell us how all this came about. So we had been trying to to talk to him since, gosh, April, May of last year. I mean, right at the beginning of this pandemic. I mean, in fact, this week, this you know, this past week, as Texas reopened, was the one week since COVID nineteen became a pandemic, and obviously his schedule was busy. The politics were a little bit different as far as what he was allowed to do, and with the governor's reopening, with vaccines rolling out, we were finally, you know, we kept pushing and kept following up every couple of weeks, and finally got the time to to talk to him. And, and if there is one week where you want to talk to him, this is probably the week where you want to get, get his feedback. Uh, I, I interviewed Dr. Fauci back in 2014 when Ebola was happening here in, uh, in Dallas. But, but give me a, your take on him. What do you think about him? Is he you like him? Nice guy? What do you think? <laughs> He seems very genuine. You mentioned Ebola. I mean, it's it's very clear that over the years he's become very. I mean, he's he's been in uh, he's been in federal you know uh, 
infectious disease work for a long time. And he's very well aware, I think, of just how, you know, hand in hand politics and public health can be. And that's never been more true than this past year. You know, he right. he picks his words depending on you know how he feels and depending on who the president is. He picks his words you know pretty carefully. Um, but still, even through that, I think we were able to to get to the bottom and get some get some honest answers from him because, you know, so a lot of people have some of the, the same questions over and over. Well, well let's let's go to uh, some of the clips. We have a number of clips here. This is the extended interview. And we want to share this uh, with our listeners right now. So one of the first questions I want to play for you here, uh, this is about the face mask mandate being gone in Texas as of Wednesday. Businesses can reoperate, uh, reopen rather, and operate at 100%. And w- when you asked him whether this is a good idea or a bad idea, here's how Dr. Fauci responded. I'm a bit concerned about it. I understand the the need and the desire to get back to normal as quickly as you possibly can. And we will ultimately get there. My concern and that of my public health colleagues is that it isn't like turning a switch on and off. If you just completely put aside all public health measures, there is a risk that you will then trigger another surge. And that's not what we need right now. We're having the numbers come down sharply and then they came to a little plateau and now they're continuing to go down. The one thing you don't wanna do is reverse that and have it go up. So I'm a bit concerned, particularly about the masking. I could understand of gradually tiptoeing into some of the other activities that you wanna do, which are important and should be done. But I think we should continue with the masking for at least another period of time. I am curious, you're on a lot of calls with a lot of different officials. Did anybody from Texas actually reach out and talk to you about this decision in advance? And if so, what'd you tell them? No, they did not. I had not heard from from Texas officials about this before it happened. No, they did not. Now, you know, there's there's no mandate that, that folks in Austin, the governor or anybody else has to call Dr. Fauci. But I would think if, if you're uh, about to reopen a state with 30 million people in it, you, you might maybe want to get some feedback on it. Um, one thing that, that he said in there that, that kind of struck me is that, um, you know, the, the desire to get back to, uh, to, to normalcy pretty quick here. Um, and he talked about maybe triggering another surge. Our last podcast, we interviewed somebody down at South Padre Island, and they said they were expecting a million people down there for spring break this month. Normally it's 1.4, but they're going to have a million down there this year. That's a lot of people. Did he Was he really concerned that after spring break that we might see another uptick in the numbers? Well, as you talked about, for, for him it wasn't so much the, the reopening distancing of, of things. It was the masking, right? You know, there's different variations of the way that you can go about life. I think we all know that by now is it's not either I'm not wearing a mask and I'm in a packed bar or I've secluded myself to the basement, you know, and I I think that's what he's saying is, look, there is a a time very soon where we're going to be able to start rolling things back, but we're just not out there yet. I think that's his big concern is we have reset what is normal. I mean, if you think about it, you talk about not getting advice. Remember at the beginning of the pandemic, it was Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick who said, Dr. Fauci's been wrong about a lot of things. I don't need to hear from him. So it may not be that surprising that they didn't reach out, but he is the, the top health official to the president and the nation's top infectious disease you know, scientist. You might you know, give him a call, pick up the phone, because I'm sure they can get a hold of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's this concern that a spike will happen again. You got to remember when Governor uh, Greg Abbott 
told WFAA back in late June that reopening bars was the worst decision he ever made. It was his biggest regret. Hospitalizations were basically the same as they are right now when he shut them back down. So, you know, that's the thing is what is normal, right? So is there going to be a surge? Probably. And that's the concern is we know as he said later on in that interview, why traveling, and we can get to that later, but why traveling is still not recommended, even if you've been fully vaccinated. We know that traveling parallels surges in cases. If you're traveling down to wherever it might be in Texas, or if Texas students are traveling elsewhere, then you're due for a surge. And, and William, you've covered the, the COVID pandemic for, for a year for WFAA. Are, are you still wearing? Well, number one, have you gotten a vaccination yet? I, well, I'm not qualified yet. I was optimistic, I'll be honest, that 1C was going to parallel the uh, CDC guidance for 1C with essential workers, but it did not. It went from 64 to, to 50 is the new group that they're doing. Um, there's about 5 million people in that group, so I'll be, I'll be waiting a little bit longer, I guess. And, and do you still wear a mask non-work when you're out and about if you're going to the grocery store or filling up with gas stuff like that oh absolutely yeah no i i've i have a couple masks that i'm rotating through and and try to wash our station fortunately gave us one i've uh the one thing i will say about masks for everybody's knowledge is at the beginning they were quite sparse but now they're the readily available and even you know some of these more uh more protective mask that you can get. So yeah, no, I'm still trying to do everything I can. I have not eaten inside. In fact, a couple weeks ago, March, I think 7th was the last time I've eaten inside a a restaurant. Um, So it's been, it's been a lot. Uh, I have been getting, just so everybody knows, carry out and and take out and whatnot. And I've I've sat on a patio a couple of times, but I have not, uh, never eaten inside. Yeah, I'm with you on the patios. I I think that's fine. I mean, if it's a packed patio, I probably wouldn't do that. But yeah, I I agree on that. Um, I want to talk about another clip you have here too uh on wednesday the texas rangers announced that it would uh open globe life field for the first time to everybody every seat that they can uh fill which is which is pretty surprising that they're uh i I don't know if it's surprising or not i I think i would go if the roof roof was open uh but i'd probably also go maybe on a wednesday night or tuesday night as opposed to opening day or a weekend game um but i'm i'm interested in in what the major league baseball season might look like because last year fans could not go to games. Um, you asked Dr. Dr. Fauci, when is the right time to go see a game or like you said, to go eat inside a restaurant? And here's how he responded to you on that. So if you can be specific, is there a level, whether it's cases or deaths or vaccination percentage, where we can say, okay, you can go back to that sporting event. You can go eat inside a restaurant with the mask off again. Yeah, what you actually want is you want to see a very low uh, test positivity, you know, less than 5% if you can get there, uh, whether or not every area in Texas will be there or just certain sections of Texas. But you really want to get down that low. But probably as important or more important than that is the percentage of people who are vaccinated. Right now, you know, 9 to 10% of the entire country is fully vaccinated and a certain percentage more have received at least one dose. As the weeks and months go by, as we get more and more vaccine doses, and as we continue to go over 2 million vaccinations per day, literally within days to weeks as they go and you progress, we get better and better and better to the point where we hope by the time we get a substantial proportion of the population vaccinated, it'll be much less risky to pull back on public health measures. 
So, William, get your magic eight ball out here. Uh, the million-dollar question that I have, that you have, that we all have is, when in the hell is that going to be? I mean, I, I've heard, you know, the spring. I've heard June. I heard the fall. Now we're back to June. Um, I- I- any guessment on what you've seen? You know, it's... <laughs> I think a lot of that, uh, Jason, is going to depend on what happens as far as if we see another surge. I mean, Texas in the past couple weeks has really seen its positivity rate drop off sharply. And a large part, I mean, people just aren't getting tested at all. Dr. Fauci made a good point, and it was one line in there, but I think it's really important. And that's that, you know, Texas isn't New Hampshire. You know, there's a lot of areas of, of Texas. Everybody knows the, you know, the West you know, El Paso is closer to the Pacific Ocean than it is to the eastern part of Texas, you know. So there's a there's a, a lot of uh, differential between the entire state when you look at how things are. But in a specific region, 5%, I mean, the way vaccines are going, if we continue at this pace, if at if by the end of May, which he says, you know, is still when he thinks everybody will be able to get a vaccine, if we can get to, to 75% of people in the state of Texas vaccinated, whenever that is, and at, at this rate, if you know, more supply becomes available, could be June, July, you know, with the possible exception of you know, teens and, and younger children, then it's really not that far away. And that's the point that I think he's made, not just in this interview, but in other interviews is I, I know that, you know, the, the the end zone, the finish line has been sliding. And I asked him about that, but it really isn't that far down the road. And if we can just hold on a little bit longer and everybody can get vaccinated, we'll be there soon. Yeah, that's encouraging to know. And we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast that, that we asked a lot of questions. You asked a lot of questions to Dr. Fauci about Texas. And one of those questions is what kind of grade might Dr. Fauci give to Texas about the uh, the pandemic and the health response here? And here's what he said. Well, you know, I, I don't want to get into giving them a grade because that I, I think that would be a bit unfair because I am not there every day on the ground seeing what's going on. You know, I did say that I was a little bit concerned about opening up too quickly. You know, when the second surge we had, if you recall, which was in the summer of 2020, when the southern states, including Texas, um, when we were trying to open up the economy, opening up the country by doing the gateway, the phase one, the phase two and the phase three. You know, there was some states, including Texas, that went a bit quickly on that. You know, when we had a surge that was really quite an important surge in the summer. Um, but again, it is Texas is a really big state. You have a lot of people, so you don't want to just be judging everybody the same way. I mean, there's some areas that did really quite well. Come on, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> Come on. Right. You, well, I told you he the, has an opinion, I'm sure. He has an opinion. I told you at the beginning, like as you asked, you know, what was your assessment of? I said, you know, there are occasions where he, he picks his words carefully. And I think that was that was one of them. At the end there, he got close to it, you know, when he said, during the summer when we set out the guidance, here's how you can reopen the state, Texas really moved a little too fast on that one and just went, you know, full throttle before they had kind of passed the, the steps to get there. Yeah, and, and it, it's interesting how his experience over the past 12 months with politics it likely influenced that answer a lot. We could really see it on display there. Uh, you hinted at this earlier in the podcast, and that is asking him what he would have done differently. Because before we got going, I was talking to our producers on the line here, and I said, you know, I had a couple of problems early on. Now, I get sciences like meteorology. It's kind of guessing. It's kind of seeing what, what's happening and, and making uh, deductions based off on that and then giving uh, advice out. I, I get that. But when they decided early on that this was 
an airborne virus. Uh, I'm not a scientist. I barely got out of high school and college. Uh, but but when they said this was airborne, I remember that I, I went into a Kroger store in Dallas to go get some stuff. And because it was airborne, I'd seen this on the news and from the CDC and everyone else. I put something over my face, a, a mask, like, you know, one of my masks that I have in the garage that you know, I, I would like paint with. Um, and I, I said something on Twitter about, you know, going to I said I was surprised that nobody else in Kroger had anything over their face. Just a few people did. I got flack from friends of mine saying, what are you kidding me? Why, why would you wear a mask? The CDC hasn't advised it. So there have been mistakes early on in this. I, I'm not blaming them. I, I get it because I, I personally, I'm, I'm a fan of Fauci. Uh, I think he's done a good job with, with what he's uh, been dealt here. But you asked him um, about what he might have done differently over the last 12 months. That's one thing I wish he would have done differently is, is said, put face masks on sooner. Uh, but here's what he said to you when he responded to that question about what he would have done differently. You know, you get asked that question all the time. But since this was such a moving target, we did not know everything we needed to know in the very beginning. And we kept getting an unrolling and an evolution of knowledge that influenced greatly what statements we made and what recommendations we made. And retrospectively, when you look back, based on the information we had at the time, that was the right decision. That was the right statement. But based on what we know now, it wasn't. Because, for example, we did not know very early on the efficiency with which this virus spreads from person to person. We were under the impression from the Chinese, and then it, it became amply clear to us that this is highly efficient in going from person to person. We thought it was jumping from an animal to a human, but didn't spread very well. Then we found out it spread very well. And then the real transforming bit of information that we found out was that it also is spread very, very much so from a person who has no symptoms at all. So we found out that anywhere from a third to 40% of people who are infected have no symptoms and between 50 to 60% of all the infections get transmitted from someone who has no symptoms to another person, which makes it a major impact on things like mask wearing, on contact tracing. If we had known all of that last January, we'd have done things a bit differently. So I'll give a pass. I'll give him a pass on that, even though I took flack from my friends about visiting Kroger with a mask on. Uh, but William, you've covered this a lot. I'm, I'm curious to know, I, I see light at the end of the tunnel here, but I'm also thinking, what's going on with these variants out there? How concerned do I need to be about the variants um, that I'm seeing in the news? So that's the thing that, that we talked to him about as well. And, you know, it's it's funny because nobody was talking about variants at all. And then all of a sudden, everybody was talking about variants. And, you know, they, here's what we know is not only are they more contagious, but they do seem to be more virulent, virulent, which he says in the interview, meaning that they can cause more severe illness because we know the more of the virus you get, the sicker you get, and more of the virus gets transmitted with these uh, with these new variants, which we know the variant first found in the UK has been circulating uh, around in Houston. They know from their wastewater system. So yeah, it is a concern. He said his biggest concern is, is the South Africa one. But one thing he also says in this interview when we talk about uh, you know getting one shot versus getting two shots is and a lot I haven't heard this a lot in the news is that what happens if you just get one shot is that you can actually speed up the process in creating more variants because that 
whatever virus gets into your system is able to replicate because you have a suppressed immune response because you have you know, one shot of the, the vaccine. So it can replicate in there and create more variants. And as he mentions, and when I asked him about variants, you know, we've got our own that we've got to worry about. And, you know, we've heard about variants found in New York and, and other areas, and it wouldn't be and won't be surprising if we get more down the road. And part of that could be people getting one shot and not going back for their second. Wow. Yeah. Make sure you go back for the second. Uh, the last clip I want to play with you, and, and I know you're on deadline here, so this is the last thing I want to play for our listeners here too. Spring break is this month. We just, we talked about it earlier in the podcast. It was the focus of our entire last podcast. Um, some people who have been vaccinated are already making plans. And, and you asked another good question about about what people should do as far as travel goes, something you, you mentioned earlier in the podcast here. And it's a good point because there are two major airlines based in Dallas-Fort Worth, Southwest in Dallas and uh, American Airlines in Fort Worth. And here's what the uh, Dr. Fauci said about travel. The current guidance for fully vaccinated people is, you know, you can meet with other people who are fully vaccinated, but still don't travel. You're smiling, you know, you get this question a lot, but at what point are we gonna be able to change that guidance so people can travel? Is it a level of vaccination that we're looking for? Yeah, you know, that's a decision the CDC makes and they actually look at the data on a daily basis in real time, continually reevaluating the guidelines. I can tell you the guidelines that came out a couple of days ago that spoke about people who were fully vaccinated in the home, either with relatives or neighbors, in a modest number of people in the home setting. That is just the first installment in a series of recommendations that will come out, including what to do about travel. And the travel one, I'm sure, is gonna be very soon. Gonna be very soon. Well, where are you going for vacation this summer, man? Right, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I think a lot of people have, have decided that 2021 is the year that they were going to travel because of everything they got put off in 2020. Right. And here's what I'll say. I mean, you talked earlier about how stuff changes over time. I think they're trying to be delicate with this and they're going to get blowback, you know, down the road. But Andy Slavitt, one of the, the White House COVID response coordinators, kind of let it slip in an interview recently, uh, just a couple of days ago, that oh, that maybe at 20 to 30% of people vaccinated, we're around 10% now, at 20 to 30% vaccinated, that maybe we'll get new guidance from the CDC. So maybe that's mm. the soon level he's talking about. And remember, we talked about earlier, end of May, there'll be enough vaccine for everybody to get vaccinated. So we're going to move up the percentages pretty quickly. I mean, we're supply is increasing, the, the rate at which we're doing vaccines is increasing. So hopefully soon, but who knows? Yeah, and before we let you go, I want you to, to kind of explain this other big announcement today from the, the State Department of, uh, of State Health Services about Phase 1C. You mentioned that. So, so far in the vaccinations, we've done Phase 1A and 1B. This is for first responders, people over 65, and then people who are over 18 with a pre-existing condition. So now 1C is starting, but we still have people in 1B who haven't been vaccinated so how, how's that going to play out and who really is involved in 1C? So first off, the, the 1C group is people ages 50 to 64. As I mentioned, the state believes there's about 5 million people in that group. About 1 million of them have already been vaccinated because they maybe met that pre-existing health condition issue. So as far as moving forward, the state does not you know pick 1A, 1B, 1C. It's just how you sign up. They do, though, want vaccination centers, providers to prioritize people based on, you know, vulnerability index. Is it a, a minority, somebody who comes from a disadvantaged neighborhood to make sure that the way we're doing vaccines is, is fair? The reason they went ahead, I believe, and activated 1C is 
we don't know what the level of hesitancy is going to be with different groups, and they want to make sure that we keep the momentum we have. Mm. I think they've looked at the numbers and the total possible number of people who could be eligible is something like uh, 10, 11 million. Now it'll move up to, to 15, 16 million um, with this new group. In, oh, it would be 15, excuse me. So we had vaccinated about 4 million people. We're doing about a million more every week. So they knew that we're at about halfway. We want to make sure that we're, we keep following halfway. That's been kind of the way they've done this so far. So anybody left out in this group, my guess would be two, three weeks from now is when we get the next group, which hopefully will be, as I mentioned, the, the essential workers. I'll tell you one other quick thing, and I appreciate the time, is that I, I interviewed recently somebody who was on the CDC's ASIP, the, the committee that did the actual CDC guidance. He's at Baylor College of Medicine, Dr. Robert Atmar. And he was telling me when we made our guidance, which put frontline employees like food service workers and law enforcement um, and teachers, we put those people with 75 and up, right? And those, one of those first groups. And he said, the reason why, he didn't say Texas did a bad thing. He said, the reason why is that our goal was let's stop the spread. Whereas the route that Texas has taken is let's find out who's being hospitalized and who's dying. And they even referenced that in their press release today, which is a lot of our deaths are coming from this age group. That's why we did them instead of these essential workers. But as you mentioned, this is now that business is open to up to 100%. I would not want to be a grocery worker or a somebody in a restaurant who can't make anybody wear a mask and, and also isn't eligible to be vaccinated. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Hey, b besides Yolitics, what other podcasts do you listen to, man? You know, I'm a TV junkie, so I listen to this podcast from the Ringer Network called The Watch. I'll tell you, I'm a also, as I mentioned, COVID, I cover a lot, so I've been listening to this podcast called This Week in Virology with a couple of, it's a it's a super nerdy podcast, but I'll tell you, it's This kept Week me, in Virology, man. It's kept me one step ahead of the, the news cycle when it comes to some of these these new papers and academic research that's come out. There's a, you know, they talked to this doctor in New York. So it's been, it's been really helpful. I'll be honest. Uh, those are the main, I'm a big sports guy. So I listen to a couple sports podcasts too. So yeah, wow. y'all, it takes, you know, I'll tell you, this is honest, the truth. I told uh, Jason Wheeler this right after I moved here, when I was trying to learn more, I've been here, you know, just over a year now, it's been a great year. Uh, when I, right after I moved here, I actually listened to a ton of old y'all, podcasts, all the ones I could, the episodes try to, you know, make sure I knew the, catch up? the deep dive. Yeah, to get caught up on all the Texas news. Well, I, I don't know if we're as good as the week in virology, but um, <laughs> I appreciate us being in your repertoire. So, hey, good good get with Dr. Fauci. Great information as always, man. So uh, great, great work on that. And to our listeners as well, too, if you want to see more of this um, uh, interview with Dr. Fauci that uh, William Joy did on WFAA, you can find that on the station's website, WFAA.com. And as always, we appreciate you listening to Yolitics. We're back again next Tuesday. Hopefully, Wheeler will be back. If he's not... We'll get William a beer. He can sit in for him as well. We'll see you guys next week. Take care.